Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Girlish. My name is Gage, and I'm here with my co-host, Olivia. Hey, everyone. It's me. So today we are back with an episode devoted to our listeners. Essentially, we asked a few questions on Instagram, and today we are going to be answering some of those questions in regards to being trans and being in a relationship. It's been a while since we've done an episode where we answered questions, so I'm really excited to have some listener involvement in this episode. Yeah, um, we have done a relationship advice video before, and um, it was very popular. A lot of people really loved it, and we really loved the engagement, and we're very excited to kind of get into these questions because there's they're definitely valuable, and I think um, both of us can like tell from experience how hard it can be being trans and being in a relationship, so it's definitely an important um thing to have to navigate through and to talk with um, about with your partner. And there's a lot of variables. Um, and Gage and I are definitely on different spectrums where she's in a straight relationship, but now I would consider I'm in a gay relationship. So like um, different like sides of the coin. So I think we can definitely provide a lot of insight into this conversation. And I am very excited to do so. And like always, before we get into the actual meat of the episode, It's still, I guess, technically the election is still going on. We are recording this actually past the date where most media companies have announced or called the election. I believe it was last Saturday as of the date where we're filming this. They actually announced that Biden was going to be the next president of the United States. And I mean, obviously, a lot of us probably could have told back then that Trump was not going to leave office in a peaceful manner. And that's definitely the case. He's literally refusing to acknowledge the fact that he's lost. He still has hope that somehow he's going to win or he is trying to build up enough evidence to go to court or bring this case to the Supreme Court in regards to voter fraud, which there's really no evidence to support. I'm I just think it's funny but also kind of sad just watching how like sad and pathetic he's being lately especially all of his advisors and everybody that's part of his campaign nobody is is admitting that they lost and it's kind of pathetic at this point like it's so obvious that he's lost like he's lost the electoral college and the popular vote he's behind by like 5 million votes so it's just kind of hard to wrap my head around the fact that they are not accepting the loss at this point, but I'm not surprised. This literally happened in 2016 um, where he like lost by 2 million in the popular vote. But now that it's 2020, now it's 5 million. And like, this is such a, like a, it's definitely a huge loss. Um, And it's so sad. It's so pathetic seeing him going on Twitter, having his little tantrums, like, I'm still president. Kind of pathetic. Like, I sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, wait, do I kind of feel bad for him? But then I'm like, hell no, I don't. Oh, of course not. Like, he's like, he's, he's insane. Like, literally on fucking Twitter all day, just like, I won by a lot. It's like, like, really? Did you? Because it's, it's, it's only, it's only stop the vote whenever he has more votes. But actually, not really, because he was tweeting "stop the vote" whenever he was losing, uh, which was in which why. But um, also, 
he was trying to play into this narrative like i have this many this many millions of people's real votes but biden's votes aren't the real ones they need to be recounted but my votes are the real ones and it's like this doesn't make sense but um it is really pathetic seeing this like little baby just crying about how he's the winner and like this isn't fair and um being like kept up with politics i i mean we all like knew this was going to happen we all knew that this man was not going to leave office like like easily everyone called it where everyone's going to be like it's probably going to be a crazy like weeks maybe into months because if trump loses um this is definitely going to be very hard to get him out of the office very hard for him to admit defeat and so it is really scary when you think about it because like yeah like i'm like laughing because he's a child but also like he's our president like and he's he's like he's trying his his hardest to stay in the office where like almost like it's almost like 50 50 the country um not really because of the five million popular or like five million more popular vote but like it's still i would say the the country's pretty divided in like the political spectrum and so to see him enticing his followers like you know this was rigged this was rigged it's like scary to be like wow like he's really like in this cult and everyone's like believing him and i'm seeing all these conservatives like oh like we really won it's all a hoax and it's like it's really wild that like that like this truly is like a very scary moment but also he's a fucking baby he's a baby he's a little baby boy like (laughs) and like it's just it's so pathetic though yeah i mean it is like one of those weird things where it's like how do i take american politics seriously when a child is running the fucking the country but also like he is probably has the strongest position of any of any um position in the entire world like the highest position of power in the whole world and it's like but how do i take this man seriously and he's literally a toddler the funniest thing to me is if you go like on his Twitter page, literally 90% of the tweets that he's made over the last two weeks are flagged by Twitter for just because he's so known for like releasing false information in regards to fraud and the election. It's just so funny and actually kind of alarming and scary and actually very embarrassing that the president of our country has pretty much all of his tweets about the election flagged for being fraudulent or mis- misleading about the actual process of the election. And that's sad. Also the fact that like, it's just so contradictory. Like you said, there were chants to stop the vote. People were saying to count the vote. And like, even if you keep counting, even if you stop counting by the numbers, he's, he's lost. Like it's, it's already over. I don't, I don't understand like why people are trying to stop the vote. Like, do you think that if they stop counting the votes that he's won? Because he definitely hasn't. He's behind by a lot. And like even Ivanka, I've seen a tweet, seen tweets by her. She's not, she's refusing to acknowledge that they've lost. The secretary of state literally said that they're going to be transitioning into another four years of Trump. So he's like completely disregarding the fact that Biden has won the election at this point. And I don't know. I guess we just have to wait and see what happens over the next few weeks in regards to how he is going to be acting once the results start becoming finalized. I know there are a lot of states that are still counting, but I mean, anybody can do basic math based off of the Electoral College and kind of figure out that regardless of how you recount the votes or however else it's done, he's won and Trump has lost. So hopefully... When January comes around, 
there'll be more evidence or less evidence for him to try and go after this whole notion of voter fraud and try and fight the election. Hopefully the results will just play themselves out. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I just, I don't know. I've, I've come to expect the unexpected, but kind of also just expect the worst out of him. So I feel like regardless of if there's just all the evidence in the world that he's already lost, he's still not going to leave. Yeah. I, I just find it like remarkable how like, how like he's just getting away a lot with this where like, he's literally trying to like uh, cheat the gut, like the election and like trying to keep his position in power. And I feel like a lot of conservatives have this whole like mindset of like, Oh, the left, they're all socialists. They're all like communists. They want to like run a communist nation. And, and like you look at like what's happening in the conservative party and the Republican party, and you're realizing that like, oh, they're real, they're really trying to like keep this person who lost in office. Like they're truly like obsessed over this like authoritarian government that is developing. And uh, it is frightening because they want to talk about um, communism when they're the ones who are actually being the authoritative authoritative like force that is like trying to stay in office and that's super fucking scary like that's truly scary that like it's like getting to this point where it's like fascism is like so prevalent with our current like our modern day like president or leader and um how like a whole party is backing him and so i find that just like crazy but to move on past that negative negative human being who uh, shall not be named to like J.K. Rowling, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a like a monumental moment in time that we have our first ever African American woman as a vice president. Like, like I think that's something like positive to like talk about. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Kamala Harris, but I will say that this is this is like a really big moment, and I am really really. Uh, it's really amazing to just see that like, wow, like this is so fucking crazy. Like um, we were talking about um, black injustices uh, earlier in the year and how it's just plagued within the United States. And so it's just really con- affirming to see like a black woman um, holding the second highest power of government in the, the whole world. So it's like really, really cool. Yeah, I'm also not a huge fan of her, but I I will acknowledge that this is such a big milestone for our country to have the first Black and also Indian American vice president ever. So she's kind of breaking a lot of barriers for being in her position, not only as a woman, but also as a Black woman and also as an Indian woman. So it's a really big moment to have her in office. She has done a few questionable things in the past, but I mean, hopefully moving forward, we do see them representing their campaign in a way that they've talked about throughout throughout this entire election because they have, you know, promised a lot of things. And as always, we're hoping that they will stay to their word and follow through with everything that they've preached and basically keep up all the promises that they made to the voters and essentially what got them elected. So hopefully they will follow through. I do also want to talk about the fact that during Biden's victory speech, he mentioned the word transgender. He also mentioned the word disabled, which I don't think any other president has ever done before. So 
it was just really affirming to know that the president is aware of what the word transgender means and also included that as you know, an identity that he wants to protect or an identity that he believes deserves human rights and respect and protection and healthcare and everything. So, I mean, I think both of us can agree that we're not the biggest fans of either of them, but it is important to also acknowledge that Kamala has broken down so many barriers and has made so many records as the first woman of color to be a vice president and as well as the first woman vice president. And the fact that Biden actually said the word transgender in a positive way, as you know, we've known that Trump has been trying to actively take our rights away for the last four years. So it's just nice to have that change. And, you know, the president now is trying to look out for us instead of trying to stop us from being active in the military or trying to take our health care away or trying to make it so that it's okay to kill us as a self-defense if somebody doesn't know that we're trans. So that was just, it was a nice thing to hear. And I kind of almost teared up a little bit when I was listening to it, but I didn't. It was just, it was just a nice feeling to have. Yeah. It's super like affirming to see that being represented, especially by the next president of the United States, like that moment's going to be forever, like in our history books, people will always know that like, wow, that's like, that's the, his speech, like saying he won. And like, that's super cool. Um, And it's so incredible to see how far we've come. Like Obama in 2008 was running off the notion of like, uh, not legalizing gay marriage. Like that was like his, uh, something he was running um, off of. And uh, it is quite, it's it's insane to just like see how much has come. Like we're now in 2020, uh, the vice president of Obama uh, said like the words transgender in his um, in his or victory speech, and like that's such a a big moment because that's like definitely a huge right step in the in, like, in our direction, especially after coming out of a presidency who uh, did the whole like trans military band and. Uh, try to do actions that would make uh, discrimination towards trans people in the medical fields uh, inevitable, essentially. And uh, it is it is really, really amazing to see uh, that, you know, we're such a small community, but being able and being listened to is really crazy. And also, um, it is really amazing that uh, he did discuss, like, disabled people and did talk about... Um, disabled people's uh yeah rights and it's something that you don't you really take for granted a lot of times where people don't really discuss it and it's not something that that is discussed but it is a valuable identity and it is uh important that we uh address that or have a conversation about that because yeah it's just an important important group of people obviously um but yeah i think from there we can uh uh go into the questions for the episode. And I think, yeah, I mean, we can start off with uh, the first one if you're ready to dive into it. I am. Um, so like I said, on Instagram, we did put out a post asking for people to ask us questions. So if you would like to be a part of any future podcast episodes where we ask the audience questions, you should definitely follow us on Instagram at Girlish Podcast. Um, but I will go ahead and get us started with the first question. 
The first question, um, by the way, these are all going to be remaining anonymous just because we don't know if the askers are comfortable having their names and their handles posted on a podcast. So the first question is, how has being trans impacted your relationships or has it not had much impact at all? And I'm going to let you go first. I think we should probably answer in regards to romantic relationships rather than like friendships or family members, if that makes sense, since this is specifically talking about our relationships as trans people. Yeah, um, I definitely think my relationship was very impacted by my trans identity. Um, I'm super, super lucky that uh, going into my relationship, my partner knew I was trans and I was like pre-transition everything. And uh, she loved me and she cared for me. And, you know, uh, we were friends before we started dating and she knew. And then I was super supportive throughout the whole process. So I will say that I'm very fortunate. It wasn't like I was in a committed relationship and I decided to transition and that person was angry at me, yada, yada, yada. It was nothing like that. Like I was very loved and very supported and like that's so incredible. But I will say that it has played like a huge role in a relationship just because uh, she's had to see me go through a lot mentally and um, seeing like what my family has done with me or done to me and uh, seeing how they treated me, how a lot of other people have treated me. Uh, I know it's definitely taken a toll on her and uh, and not in a negative way where she like looks down upon me, more of a like, a, it's frustrating that the world is still so backwards in some aspects, but uh, she really is super supportive. And I will say that uh, definitely um, uh, if, if anything has been affected, uh, it definitely would be those hard moments where having to see her or her having to see me go through really traumatic moments in my life, regardless of transitioning, like dysphoria, having like her having to see me go through really bad dysphoria fits or um, like when I'm trying to apply to jobs, her having to see people like discriminate against me or when I've worked at jobs, her having to see bosses or coworkers discriminate or say something negative or transphobic to me. Um, and so just having to navigate that, um, I know has been pretty difficult for her, but I'm, like I said, I'm super, super, I'm super lucky to have someone so supportive in my life. Yeah. I feel like regardless of where you are in your transition, if you've been transitioning for years or if you haven't even started yet, being trans is going to affect your relationship. Obviously, there are positives and negatives, but it's going to impact your relationship regardless. I think it definitely opens up a lot more windows for conversations about topics that may be assumed in you know regular cis relationships, questions and conversations about how you're going to proceed with having children. If that's something you and your partner want to do in the future, you have to have those conversations about dysphoria and about surgery and just about everything in regards to being trans. So it definitely does have an impact. I I also was lucky that my boyfriend knew that I was trans when he messaged me. So that definitely took away a lot of stress. I know there there is a lot of stress when you're dating to have to have that conversation with people. So the fact that both of us were had our partners and our partners were okay with us being trans 
obviously helped us a lot and was very beneficial to us. But I feel like, like I said, in general, it is going to impact a lot of areas in your relationship. Um, You have to really be open to communicating and explaining these things to your partner because they may or may not know or they may not be aware of how dating a trans person works. So it's definitely a lot of learning on both people's part, especially if you are a trans person that hasn't dated before. There are a lot of feelings that you may have or there are a lot of things that you might want to keep inside that obviously your partner is going to need to know. But I know for me personally, a lot of the times when I'm feeling dysphoric, I I feel like it's a burden in a way. Like I don't want to be annoying and be down all the time that I'm insecure or I feel a certain way about certain things. So it, it can be kind of rough to be open all the time when you might not have the best thoughts in your head because of dysphoria. So I think you should be aware when you jump into the dating scene that you're going to need to have these conversations, like I said, in regards to children, you know, trans women and trans men, it's it's a lot harder. The road is harder for us to have biological children. So you have to be open to the conversation of adoption or surrogacy or sperm donors or something. You have to have those conversations that you necessarily wouldn't have to have if both people were able to produce their own offspring. So I think I mean, it's not a negative, but definitely have to be open to having more conversations with your partner and being more communicative about your feelings as a trans person and also being patient with them because they're going to have questions and they're going to want to be able to help you and they can't do that unless you're honest with them. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, especially when in terms of, like you said, um, feeling like a burden. And I feel like that's a lot of times... Uh, comes with like having a trans identity and being in a relationship that is um, with a cis partner uh, definitely is uh, it's that that feeling of of yeah like oh I'm so sorry that I'm I'm such a weight or like the things I'm feeling are such a weight and that definitely has affected I know multiple people in the trans community where it feels like our identities are a burden and th- that does come a lot with like the internalized, like transphobia, internalized, uh, you know, things that we go through. But it definitely is something that impacts a relationship that I know has been hard on my partner. And yeah, I think also it's important to discuss intimacy and stuff like that um, when getting uh, with like a partner, especially someone who is cis. I think it's important to have those discussions, obviously, beforehand on intimacy and like how that'll work, especially if you, let's say, are are like uh, pre-transition or in the beginning stages of transition and you plan on getting surgeries and stuff like that, or you plan on starting hormones, it's kind of really important. My partner and I, like within maybe like a year of dating, I was about to start hormones and I got hit with the question, do I want to be like a mother one day? Do I want to parent a child? And that like hit us as a relationship really hard. And it, I think it got us, it made us like really, really close because we had to like solidify that. Yes, one day we want children. And so uh, there's definitely a lot of communication that goes with situations like this. It's definitely really, really important to have these conversations um, and work with like your partner. So a lot of communication, a lot of um, just discussing everything you're feeling in that moment, keeping your 
your um, your thoughts and your feelings all out loud, communicating that. It's definitely important to just make sure that they're hearing you and you're hearing them and they understand what's going on with you. And I, I think it's for sure able to work. Obviously, my partner and I work amazing. You and Russell work really great. And so um, it's just definitely, yeah, a lot of communication, I'd say. Yeah. And it, it does obviously infect personal, your personal relationship with your partner, but also you do have to take into account that there is going to be outside influence on your relationship as well. I feel like one of my biggest fears starting to date was, is my partner's friends, family members, coworkers, anyone in their life, are they are they going to be accepting of our relationship. And it obviously does put a lot of pressure on them to have to explain that they're dating a trans person. Obviously, it puts a lot of pressure on you because you have to have these conversations over and over and over again with their friends and family about, you know, your journey and where you've been and what what does it mean in regards to the your partner's sexual sexuality? Are they still straight? What does that mean as a trans woman or as a trans man dating your cis partner who identifies as straight, or even if they don't identify as straight, that's still, it's still confusing for people to understand that gender and sexuality are not the same thing. So I think it's also important to caution that, you know, it's going to impact your personal relationship with your partner, but also you have to deal with all of the outside influences and all of the eyes that are looking on you as a trans person in a relationship with someone who may not be trans, because there there's going to be a lot of questions asked by not only necessarily people that are in their immediate circle or in their life, but just on strangers who follow you on social media and comment stupid shit or whatever they do on YouTube videos. I know a lot of couples who are open about being trans, their partners will... Or people will constantly be talking about, you know, oh, is your boyfriend gay or blah, blah, blah. So it's important to to remember that that's also a factor too. Yeah, I definitely think all of these like points are extremely important and I'm happy we kind of brought them up because uh, being trans in a relationship uh, isn't easy and, and, it, and it's, it's something that you definitely have to um, communicate and work through in a relationship. There's a bunch of variables, obviously, that we discuss and probably a million more uh, that you have to go through. So uh, whoever asked that question, whenever you do get into a relationship or if you already are in one, I'm sending you my, my, my love. And um, yeah, I just hope all goes well because I know sometimes it can be really, really difficult. Um, but going on to the next question, I thought this one was an interesting one. Uh, we're talking about uh, tranny chasers. <laughs> so uh, someone asked us, should you be okay with your boyfriend's fetish to trans people? And I I just have so many thoughts. But I want to know what you think because I have so many thoughts. Okay. Um same. I'm just like at a loss for words. Um, so I'm not going to tell anybody how to live their life. If you are a trans woman and you're comfortable dating somebody that has clearly expressed that they have a fetish or like a specific attraction to trans women, if you want to continue talking to them or dating them, that's perfectly fine. Personally, for me, 
I've never felt comfortable. I guess I don't, I'm not even comfortable talking to people who are specifically only attracted to trans women and only want to be with me because I'm trans. And obviously that is fetishization. This person wants to be with me because of the fact that I'm trans. I don't, they didn't just happen to figure out that I'm trans and are okay with that and are accepting and still want to date me. Their entire premise or their motive for talking to me in the first place is because I'm a trans woman. And that's never really sat right with me just because I feel like, I mean, personally for me, I don't want to have to be reminded that I'm trans when I'm with my partner 24-7. And I feel like if you're with someone that specifically has expressed that they are a chaser or they're only attracted to trans women, I feel like I would constantly be thinking about the fact that I'm trans because the only reason my boyfriend wants me is because I'm trans. And I feel like like I said, that's something that you can make personal a personal decision on. But I feel like in order to have a successful relationship, the person should love you regardless. I don't think somebody who is only attracted to you because you're trans necessarily loves you as the person you are. It To me, it, it really feels very sexually motivated. And I don't like feeling like a sexual object. So, I mean... I'm I'm not going to be okay with anybody that expresses to me that they are only attracted to trans women. Luckily, I am in a committed relationship and I don't have to worry about that. But for all the girls out there that do, I will say just be cautious and be aware that be aware of your self-worth. Know that you don't have to date somebody who only is attracted to trans women and that there are people out there who will accept you for being trans and will love you for the person you are and won't make you feel like a sex object, basically. Because I feel like nobody wants to be an object of desire. I mean, some people, it's nice to feel like that, but not with your significant other. You don't want to constantly feel like the only reason they're with you is because you're trans. I don't think that does any good for the relationship. Yeah, no. Uh, it's definitely like the, the definition of like a fetish is it's, it's sexually driven. So I don't think a relationship can be sustainable when your identity is the only reason this person's in a relationship with you when um, all they see is your identity. Like being trans isn't like a, like a, oh my God, I liked being choked during sex because same, but yeah. like, <laughs> but like it's, it's not like that. It's someone's identity. It's some who someone is. Um, and so to have that, um, be all on someone's mind whenever they're like fucking you or they, they want to fuck you is like, it's like super overwhelming and it's super like unfair to have your identity be seen in that way. And like you said, I don't want to be viewed as a sexual object. Um, I don't want my identity and who I am to be focused on 24 seven. I think that's super unfair and it's just super gross to me. And I'll never forget my experience. And I've talked about it before on this podcast, but like this person, like, like essentially like um, came to my work, saw me, and this was like me early in my transition, asked me what time I was getting off work. And I thought he was just being kind. So I told him a time and then he stayed and he came back during that time and was like hovering over me and was just like walking around being really sus. 
and just like being really, really awkward. And I found out my trans coworker had the same experience with him of him just being really weird, trying to talk with her and uh, just really like, like getting, I don't know. It just was the way that like, I felt in danger. I felt so, so scared. And this person's intentions might not have been like to hurt me, but it was just not a good feeling to feel like I was prey and this man was preying on me. And like, that's like what I think is so, so like significant to talk about is that like our trans identities aren't something you can conquer. It's not something that you can take advantage of. It's someone's like, it's someone's identity. It's someone, it's who they are as a person. And it's just, it's, it's so shitty that people see trans people that way. But I'm not knocking on anyone who um, has partners who um, are trans attracted, um, which is what I've been seeing a lot of people calling chasers these days. But I'm not knocking that at all. Like everyone's relationships different. I don't know the ins and outs of people's relationships. But to call yourself that, I think you're you're opening up yourself to be like criticized on why are you trans attracted? Why do you fetishize trans people? And um, what's significant about all trans people that makes you attracted to trans people? Because I've seen a million different trans people and I've seen a million different ways trans people look like, express themselves, show themselves. So by claiming that you're someone attracted to trans people, what are you attracted to? And so I think that's like a root issue that we should even discuss further um, when referring to or talking about chasers, because um, at that point, it's it's harmful because it's fetishizing us and it's stereotyping us. And those two things, I think, are really, really negative and should not be okay. But um, to each their own. <laughs> I don't want it to be confused that someone who is open with their identity and can acknowledge the fact that a trans woman is an actual woman and is open to the idea of dating them is a chaser because that's not true. I think the most important thing you have to take a look at is, is this person specifically talking to me because I'm trans? Because like you said, there's so many different ways to be trans. Like we're really close and we are, we're so different. So it's kind of hard to kind of pinpoint another reason why they would be trans attracted unless it had to do with a sexual preference or some fetish in regards to our genitalia because trans people are so different. There's, you can't really say, oh, I'm only attracted to trans women because we all act differently. And at that point, it just sounds like you are thinking about one thing and that's about sex. And we are not sinners in this household. No, not in this household. (laughs) You are a sinner. That's perfectly fine. But I think that you should not sin with a chaser. That's my problem. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Uh, I think that uh, I have very strong opinions on chasers. But I, um, yeah, I, but I just I, don't want to like, because I, I know, I guess it has to be on a case by case basis, because I know the word chaser has a very negative connotation. I guess it, it really just depends on the person and I mean, if you don't care, then that's your prerogative. Yeah, no, I, I definitely well, I agree with that. Where like, obviously, um, who who are we to say like if someone's happy or committed a relationship, who are we to say that that's a bad thing or that's a negative thing? And I definitely don't want to impede on anyone's uh, relationship, especially if you are happy and a and content in it. I don't I don't know the ins and outs of everything, 
and everyone is so different with, you know, how they see themselves or how they want to be seen by others. So like, I don't, I don't want to jump in and say like, this is a bad thing, but I, I guess I'm talking through my experience and how I feel. And um, yeah, I definitely don't want to knock anyone for it, but yeah, that's just, uh, it's just something that I, that I, I feel like I've dealt with where the, whether it's like you get them too, like messages by so many, like I, I know immediately whenever I put hashtag and pictures, it's like hashtag trans within like the next like hours, like I'll get like a million DMs from like, I feel like every, so many guys uh, that are just like, Hey, Hey. And it's like, I like, I can see right through that shit. Like, so I think after like, especially being, uh, on the internet, making YouTube videos, we've seen a lot of it. I think we're kind of just like exhausted, especially with the constant, um, it feels like targeting and like the constant, like, like predators of chasing prey, that feeling is just exhausting. And I think that's why it probably frustrates us both a lot. Yeah. And I think that is a good point to transition to the next question. This question is also in regards to kind of dating um, more. And so like the personal side. So the next question is, how do you get comfortable dating while you're still experiencing dysphoria? And I thought this was a really good question because we kind of touched on it earlier, but dysphoria is a really big part of your relationship. It's something that you go through that you want to be able to share with your partner. And I think we can both probably provide different aspects of advice on this question because we started dating our partners at different points in our transition. So maybe our experience with dysphoria was a little different. Did you feel a different sense of dysphoria at the beginning when you started dating Emily or has it kind of changed or gotten any better? I think over time it definitely got better. I know it was like a big, um, uh, it was a big issue, especially at the beginning uh, because like prior to like transitioning, I was like, you know, I think I'm trans, like, right. I knew at the time it was trans and I was like, I'm trans and like, I want to transition. And then, so that beginning stages of transitioning, especially when doctors wanted me to present full time and I felt like I didn't pass enough. There was a lot of like me looking at myself in the mirror and hating so much about myself. I started, uh, and when all that started happening, I started hating more and more parts of my body because I transitioned and it felt like it was going fast enough. So I became very irritable and I became very like uh, standoffish. And like, I was just, I kept to myself and I think it really impacted the relationship where Emily felt very just uh, tired and like um, unable to provide any help. She felt, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, uh, yeah, she felt it was extremely difficult to help and uh, she really, really wanted to. And a lot of times I just like closed my door, closed the doors because I didn't want to feel like a burden. And um, that was what really made it extremely difficult at the beginning of the relationship uh, and like starting the transition at the beginning of the relationship and having it be so slow, it was it was draining. I think for both of us. But the more I like, like the more I was on hormones, the more I started loving myself, the more things got better. I think it get it got a lot a lot better. I would say even within the past year, it's gone significantly better. Where now I view myself and I'm not disgusted the way that I was, and um, so it definitely takes patience and. 
uh, a lot of just like that conversation with your partner. But yeah, it definitely was difficult. And I want to know how you felt about dysphoria in your relationship, because like you said, we were on two different like parts of our transition when we were introduced to our partners. Yeah. And it's kind of a unique situation because we started dating long distance. If you didn't know, um, I'm from Seattle and my boyfriend is from LA. And when we started dating, I was still in college. So we were doing long distance and I felt, I mean, obviously long distance sucks, but I felt kind of comfortable because I was at that point probably almost two years or a little over a year into my transition. So I was feeling okay, but I wasn't comfortable with everything about my body. And I was really insecure about like shaving every single day. So the fact that I didn't have to shave or that he didn't have to see me and I didn't have to be perfect all the time, that kind of helped a little bit. But I think it's important to realize that the the person that is with you is with you for a reason. And you can very easily get caught up in your own head and be really insecure and think silly thoughts like, oh my God, if I don't shave my legs to perfection, they're going to think I'm disgusting. Or if I don't put my makeup on or if I don't do my hair a certain way, they're going to think I'm gross and break up with me. I feel like you have to trust that your relationship is has been established for a reason and that those silly things like shaving your legs or whatever is not going to change anything. And I know it can be difficult because you have all of these thoughts with dysphoria and how you personally look, but your significant other thinks that you're beautiful. Obviously, they they want to be in a relationship with you. They want to support you and they want to be there for you. So I think you just have to be open to being honest and sharing because it's it's going to be very detrimental to your relationship if you don't tell them because they're never going to know what's going on. So I would say in general, it has had a lot of impact, even as somebody that was well into their transition. Because like I said, every time we met, it would only be for a few days at a time because we lived in different states. So I was able to shave literally every inch of my body before we met each other. And I was always picture perfect, ready whenever you know, we had a visit. But now that we live together, like there's points where I don't even shave my legs for like months at a time. It's like winter in LA right now. Like what do I need to be shaving my legs for? I already know that he loves me. I already know that he's not going to leave me if there's an inch of hair on my legs. So I think you have to just be comfortable with who you are as a person. Be honest about your feelings with your dysphoria and also know that your partner loves you and wants to support you and is with you for a reason. And something that you might be insecure about is probably something that they don't think is that big of a deal. I think dysphoria oftentimes magnifies itself in our brains to where we think the world is ending and that this is a crazy thing that we have to deal with and nobody's ever going to love us or nobody's going to accept us when the reality is not necessarily always like that, especially if you have a partner who has already proven and has expressed to you that they will accept you regardless. Yeah. I like that you, that you said that um, you definitely have to have a lot of trust in that partner. If they love you and they're giving you that support, then obviously they want to be there for you and they want to help you with whatever situation or in whatever scenario that they can. And so it definitely is important to just 
have that trust within your partner because yeah all Emily wanted me to do is just talk with her and just have like conversations with her and let her know how I was feeling so we could work through it and get through it um and um I think it's important to provide that especially with your when you're with someone and you guys are so close but yeah it definitely is something that like I do get worked up over um at the beginning of the relationship for sure I was even even um uh, when but being pre-transition, like I was still like so self-conscious, um, going and seeing my partner without like a freshly like shaven face because I wanted uh, to appear feminine, I guess. Um, and even this was like before transitioning and stuff. And uh, the more closer we got, the more comfortable I began to get began getting. And yeah, definitely, it just takes that time and patience. But um, if someone, if you're with someone and they love you, then definitely. Uh, I would say take that as a sign that they care about you in all ways, shapes, or forms. And so even if times get hard, definitely just know that they're there for you. Um, especially if they are a good partner, they should be there for you and they should support you in those uh, time of need. But I guess to go from there uh, to another question that I feel like I can't discuss much about, but uh, I know Gage can. I've never been on any sort of dating apps. I've never um, experienced any of that. Um, my partner and I met towards like essentially the summer after high school as where we when we kind of met and then we started dating. So it was, um, yeah, so we were very, um, we were very young and we didn't, um, we didn't like meet on any dating apps. We met through a friend. So I have no experience dating as like being trans on dating apps. So someone asked us, how has, um, sorry, I'm reading the fucking wrong question. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So the question was trying to navigate dating apps without outing yourself at work. So I was wondering like how that could affect you. Cause I didn't even know that was a thing that could happen until I read the question. I was like, Oh shit. Like, that probably does happen. Like if like Tinder or like, uh, or um, gr- I was going to say grinder. I guess that works too. Yeah. To, yeah there, if it's like Tinder thing. or Bumble or something, if it's location based, like there's so like I've seen friends who have shown me their Tinders and they see someone like th- that we know that's like a mutual of ours. And so like, I can't imagine like someone seeing you and then they work with you and then they're seeing like your bio says trans. So yeah. Um, what is your, what is your experience with that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was on, I used dating apps for a short period, probably a few months. And at that point I was still in college. I was working for, I was working at Target. And when I started Target, I was at the very, very, very beginning of my transition. And even when I started my transition, I didn't really tell anybody. I just kind of started growing out my hair and I started growing boobs and looking different. I I just didn't tell anybody because I wasn't really close to anybody at work. And at that point I had started to like delve into the whole dating app thing. And there were actually times where I would see coworkers or even people that were from my high school or just people in my general area like you said it is location based so you're you are going to be seeing people that you know and potentially know you and that was like kind of awkward seeing a coworker 
as a potential match when you haven't disclosed the fact that you're trans to anybody at work. So it's obviously stressful, like thinking about, oh my God, my coworker might see me. He might tell everybody at work that I'm trans and I don't I don't know if, if that's something that you want to be disclosed. So it, it can be stressful. I I mean, I don't really think there's a way to avoid it considering that the apps are designed that way to be location-based regardless of who or who you don't want to see. You're, you're going to see somebody that lives near you even if you don't want to. So I don't necessarily know <laughs> how to avoid that from happening. I think really you just have to own it at that point. If you are going to be making a profile on a dating app, I think that you should kind of be open to the idea that you are going to be matching or potentially seeing people who are in your area, possibly coworkers, possibly friends, possibly family members. That That's just kind of how it is when you, when you join the app. So I don't really think there's a way to avoid it. I think you just have to be comfortable with yourself to a point where if somebody asks you or approaches you about it, you are comfortable talking about it with them, I guess. And didn't you, um, I know it didn't have to do with dating, but didn't you have like a, a tweet that, that like kind of like blew up and people at your work did see that tweet? Uh, yeah. Um, so my tweet that actually Russell DM'd me on went viral on Twitter a couple years ago. It got like 300,000 likes or something. So it like, obviously a lot of people saw it. And I I had coworkers that would come up to me and be like, oh my gosh, I saw your tweet. I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. I didn't know that you were trans, blah, blah, blah. So if you are posting about, you know, being trans on public, if you have a YouTube channel or if you post on Twitter or any social media platform, you do have to be aware of the fact that people may, may see it. And there's really no way to avoid that. So I think the fact that you are comfortable enough with your identity to go on dating apps kind of shows that you're in a space to where you are comfortable disclosing your trans identity and talking to people about that. And like I said, there's not much you can do. It's not like you can block people from seeing you. Like you can't go into settings and be like, I don't want any of my coworkers to see. Like that's that's just not something, unfortunately, that we can do dating apps yeah it definitely seems like one of those situations where um i think it also comes with like us being afraid to uh there's like a a ton of reasons obviously sometimes you don't want to out yourself because you don't want people to view you differently discriminate against you or um uh yeah potentially harm you at if that so I definitely see this, those situations and being fearful of that. But also I think there's another layer of some sort of like internalized transphobia that can come with that where like we, I think we should evaluate like why potentially do we not want to be seen as trans by, by other people? Like, why are we being stealth? Is it because there's this layer of sure we don't want people to discriminate against us, but also is it, is it this self like reason that comes with it. Like, are we like almost ashamed of our trans identities? And I think if it's because of that, I think it's definitely an valuable thing to like, kind of like look at that and address that and realize that like your trans identity is beautiful and um, fuck anyone who disagrees with that and fuck anyone who um, doesn't support who you are. 
but it definitely isn't something to be ashamed of or to hide from. You are still just, if you're a trans woman, you're still just as much of a woman, um, even though you're trans. Um, those identities, although they are often misconstrued as like you're either a woman or a trans woman, they're completely different. Uh, the same if you're a trans man. Um, so I definitely think uh, it's something that comes with, you know, obviously growing older is like kind of practicing that self-love and loving who you are in your identity. But I know I can see that the conflict there where it's like, I um, want, I don't want to be discriminated against or I'm scared or like this or that, but I definitely also can see it as like a um, love yourself. <laughs> um, what's that? There's like this vine that's so funny where it's like that guy dancing and he's like, love yourself. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I always say things and I never forget what the fuck I'm trying to say. It happens so many times where I'm like talking and I'm like, wait, what's the like, what am I trying to think of? Yeah. And I'll literally, I have I, to cut it out so on every episode <laughs> where I'm like, I don't remember. Um, but I, my memory is like shit. I blame drama. So <laughs> it's okay. I, I also, I think a good place to end it is that. Obviously, like you said, you kind of have to be – it's okay to feel that fear. You know, you don't really know how your coworkers are going to react. And I think the last person – the last thing you want is to be in a hostile work environment where people are like gossiping about you or being disrespectful or whatever that case may be. But if you do happen to end up matching with a coworker or somebody from high school that you haven't disclosed that you're trans to, I think the best way to go about it is just to be really nonchalant. That's what I did when I got approached about these types of things. I was just like, yeah, that was me. Like, I'm on there and guess I'm trans. Like, that, that's just who I am. And I was just like very nonchalant about it. And I feel like that kind of helped put them at ease. It, it wasn't like such a big deal. I just made it seem like it wasn't a big deal at all. And that kind of helped to move on to the next topic or to forget about that very awkward interaction. I just think you should just own it. Be like, yeah, I'm on Tinder. You are on there for the same reason as me. Actually, I don't know. Some people use it for different reasons, but I feel like generally, generally people download those apps for the same reason. So even if you are trans, they can't get mad at you or they can't judge you for being on there because they literally are also on there looking for the same thing. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that one. And that's on that. And that's on that. <laughs> All right. But uh, that is the last of our questions for the today. Uh, we we had so many though, and if you guys are interested in another part, uh, part three, please let us know because there was a lot that we wanted to get to that uh, we were unable to today. But um, yeah, I'm really happy we were able to have this conversation because relationships are so pure within the trans community, and I understand how obviously with anybody you want to be valued in a relationship, you want to be loved, you want to be supportive, you want to be happy. And I think a lot of times we're looking for that happy, the happiness, that acceptance, that partner, that that other half that sees you for who you are. So definitely, I think that's such an important thing. And I love that. And um, I'm happy we were able to kind of hopefully ease anyone's worries or kind of help guide you guys through any short sort of situations that could potentially be um, difficult for you um, within like dating and being trans. So I'm happy we had this conversation. 
Me too. And I do want to also tie back to what we were talking about at the beginning in regards to the election. I know a lot of people are trying to say that, you know, Biden and Kamala have done bad things in the past. And we have talked about on the podcast multiple times that we don't agree with a lot of things that they've done and a lot of the policies that they have put in place in the past. I think that's that's fine. But I, I definitely also think that we should be able to celebrate the fact that Trump is not in office anymore. So I think it's important to do your research and educate yourself. But I also think it's okay to celebrate the fact that his dumbass lost the election. So I don't think you should let anybody tell you that you shouldn't be happy or try and downplay your ex- your happiness because of what they've done in the past. We've, we've succeeded in this election and we are going in a positive direction. So I think just be happy. It's okay to be happy. It's okay that the election is not perfect. It's okay to be happy that our piece of shit president is now going to be gone in January. Yeah. With politics, definitely, I think, be politically conscious, be aware of the flaws in candidates that um, you might not fully agree with, but you accept or you support the better of two evils. Like, be aware. Um, when you're blindly, when you have blind faith in a politician, that that leaves you, that, that there's just so much room for error. And now that, you know, you support this president, but this person blindly, um, that is just so harmful because you like will never accept the truth. And this happens with a lot of Trump supporters where no matter what he does, he can do no wrong. And I don't see politicians like that. And I don't think anyone should. I can see Biden and I can be happy that he won, but also be critical of him and Kamala Harris's past. Um, and I mean, we can go on and on about like stuff that I disliked about their their past and the things they've done. But I would say for the future, for um, what we need to do and where we need to go, I definitely think it's important to make those baby steps. And um, it seems like a fucking giant leap coming from from Trump to Biden. So I'm just happy that that this is happening. And I'm happy that we're able to celebrate this um, victory, although it might not be what we wanted it to be. It's still a huge victory. So yeah, definitely think um, that is important uh, to discuss because I don't want to like sit here and like make you guys believe that we're like these like big supporters of like Biden and we love everything and he can do no wrong. Like, no, he's a person and he has a, a past and a past that I don't agree with a lot of stuff and he can do wrong. And I can evaluate politics like that by viewing their worst characteristics and seeing all that they've done, but also acknowledge the things that I like about them more than another candidate. And um, so I think that's definitely important when looking into stuff like that. Exactly. So that is a perfect way to wrap up this episode. Thank you, everybody who submitted questions to us on Instagram. Like we've mentioned, if you'd like to be a part of future episodes where we ask questions, you can follow us at Girlish Podcast. Um, Also, new development as of last week. I don't know if many of you have seen that we are starting to record video clips of portions of our podcast. We actually do have a Girlish Podcast YouTube channel that we are going to be uploading the videos to. Um, But the first week's episode, it was uploaded on Olivia's channel. So you should definitely check that out. If you want to see how beautiful and stunning we are in front of the camera when we're recording our episodes, you can definitely go and do that. 
Yeah, definitely. It's been a fun process of like editing these, like coming up with like cool branding ideas of like how to make our our videos come together and look smooth and professional for you guys. And so I'm so excited. I've been like putting in like fully like a 40 hour workload into Girlish because it's just been so fun and it feels so exhilarating put producing content that's going to really re reach so many people. Um, and so I will put the link for our YouTube channel in like our Instagram. So if you're interested in that, go to our Instagram. Um, you can also uh, go to the video on my channel and on the description, uh, there is that link that directs you to Girlish. I know it's kind of hard to find if you just look up Girlish Podcast on YouTube, but you can also do that. If you look up Girlish Podcast on YouTube, search by channel and hopefully you can find it there. Um, but I wish we had like a personalized link that we can tell you to do like youtube.com slash girlish, but uh, we don't have that yet. I think you have to wait a little while before you can get like a personalized uh, channel link, but um, definitely go subscribe if you can. It's been a ton of fun kind of doing all that, getting all of that uh, situation or situated. And also, uh, I don't think we ask this nearly as enough, but I, I really would like like to love to ask you guys to go leave a good review of our podcast on Apple podcast. Uh, I think that's something that like most of our listeners come from Apple podcast and it would be really, really, really cool if you guys go and uh, leave a, a nice review. And also if you are Reddit users or Twitter users or Instagram or Facebook users, share our stuff if you can, um, because I feel like we're obviously a growing podcast and any support, any help, even if you have like two followers, like that helps so much. And um, we just want to reach as many people as we can um, to like uh, support them. Or maybe if it's a cis person not knowing much about trans people's identities, I think our podcast is a good testament to like showcasing that we are human, that we are normal people and like having a discussion on our identities and also just having a conversation. I think it's good for cis people, uh, trans people. Uh, gender non-conforming people like I, I think it's really important uh, for you guys or for for a lot of people and I and I really hope that if you guys can uh, you would share it I would mean the world to us yes it would and I mean we both enjoy filming this so much so obviously if we were able to get a bigger audience or if we were able to do things that we can't necessarily do due to either us living in different states or just due to the fact that we are doing this sort of as a hobby at this point. I think both of us would would love nothing more than to have more people listening and being able to interact more with our listeners and just having more opportunities to really grow the channel. Um, but with that being said, I do want to just thank everybody for all of their support so far for listening to us for like a year and being sticking with us through the past few months and everything that we have gone through over the last few months that have caused us to kind of take a little bit of a break. But we are back and we are more motivated than ever, I think, to really do something and be successful and share our show with as many people as we can. So Again, just overall, thank you so much to everybody who has been listening to us so far, and we will see you again in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Follow us everywhere, girlishpodcast.com. Yeah.